Welcome to episode number 16 of the She's Building a Dream podcast. In this episode, I am interviewing Megan Katchigan. Megan is a former high school physics teacher turned online copywriter. I can't wait for you to hear what she does and all about her story. Welcome to the She's Building a Dream podcast. I'm your host, Kristen, a former tenure teacher and mom of three. I went from being a stressed, overwhelmed full-time teacher to running a successful online business from home that completely changed my reality. And I'm here to say, you can do it too. Join me each week for inspiration, tangible business advice, and engaging interviews. If you want to run a successful online business from home, then this is the show for you. All right, Megan, I'm super excited to have you here on the podcast today. I would love to hear your story on how you got started from being a high school teacher, right? High school teacher turned online entrepreneur. I can't wait to hear. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I spent 10 years in the classroom teaching math and physics um, to high schoolers. I also coached cross country. And then it felt like a gradual process, not all at once to becoming an entrepreneur. So while I was still teaching full-time, I started to take online courses just to learn new skills. So I was reading all the articles, listening to all the podcasts, and I noticed that really started to change my mindset. Like I used to have a really huge fear of failure, was a total perfectionist, wanted everything just right. But now what I once saw as failure, failure in air quotes there, I now see as building blocks to success. Like it's no longer super embarrassing. It doesn't make me feel unworthy of good things. But mistakes are all just part of the progress. They teach you. They move you forward. And those disappointments actually just inform better decisions. To me, failure has become clarity. It's just an education and data on how to make healthier changes. So failing, again, air quotes there is really been the way that I have been able to press forward. And I would think so many entrepreneurs would agree with that. So I think step one in becoming an entrepreneur was learning those new skills while I still had the full-time income and then taking action on them. So applying what I had been learning. And it just starts in baby steps, just doing the next thing and taking it one thing at a time. And I was just finding time in the margins um, to make these things happen. So for me, my school day ended at 2.30 and I was contracted to be there till 3. And I set boundaries at 3 o'clock. I kicked students out of my room who were just hanging out or wanted help. And they had a lot more respect for me and my time when I set that boundary. And it made, it felt like more respect for myself as well saying, okay, this is important to me and I'm going to make time for it. So this is what margin time looked like for me. I had between three o'clock and then till 4.30, I take my gym class that I really like. So I had this hour, hour and a half um, in the middle of the day where I was super tired after a long day of teaching. You guys are familiar with the exhaustion. And so usually that's like kind of my afternoon slump. I just want to take it easy and rest, hang out for a little bit. But I really forced myself to 
keep my eyes on my goal and build this bigger dream for myself. So I made just that hour and a half a day and made that little by little really add up. And setting small deadline goals helped me stay focused as well. So that might look like finishing a module of an online course this week and planning it out in my agenda, writing it down, how much I could realistically get done in those small time chunks. Or I set aside one Saturday to do my website and just press publish. So not spending more than a few hours on it and being okay with it not being perfect and it just being a start. And little by little, all those steps added up to something. Um, And then another thing I did was constantly checking in with myself. So for me, that looked like journaling it out and then talking to trusted friends because a lot of me felt like this is crazy. (laughs) It should feel like this huge risk. But I actually felt really at peace with my decision and the direction I was going in. And it actually felt like it was a bigger risk for me to stay in teaching where I started to feel stagnant after those 10 years. And whereas this allowed me to have no cap on what I could do, what I could create, how much I could make. So those check-ins were really helpful that this wasn't just some spontaneous decision, but it was really intentional and really in line with what I truly wanted for myself, my life, and my family. Another thing was being financially smart. So they say to have savings of six months minimum to you know cover your expenses, understand that this is not going to be an overnight success, but it's a process. And another added benefit of that was realizing that I didn't have to operate from this scarcity mindset. So when I was talking to potential clients on the phone, I wasn't thinking in the back of my mind like, oh, I really need to, to get this client to pay my mortgage or you know pay for whatever expenses. But I knew that I was covered. So if I wasn't truly aligned with working with this particular client, then it was okay to have that answer be no. And know that I would get another client down the line that was more in line with what I wanted to do and who I wanted to work with and serve and help. Wow. That is so powerful. That is such great advice. Having six months saved up because a lot of people think that they can just start a business for $100 or $500 and they don't realize the costs that come with the things we need to pay for to keep our business running and Mm -hmm. being able to support your lifestyle at the same time. So I love that. That is so smart. So smart. Exactly. Yeah. And once you have that, you're ready to make the leap. And I don't think you ever feel fully ready and you never will have it fully figured out. But you just have to trust in yourself that you can be resourceful enough to figure it out as you go. And I found that people are so willing to be helpful and help you out. You just have to ask. Like I've connected with so many people who I could have spent hours Googling this question I had and figuring everything out on my own, or just ask this expert who's been doing it for a year longer than I have. And they're like, Oh yeah, just this, this, and this. And like in a few sentences, my question could be answered or point me in the direction that I need to go and save so much time. And people are so happy to help out. We all started at the beginning at one point, And entrepreneurs, I feel like, are so ready to be helpful and can really empathize with with how it is when you're starting out. 
Yes. I love it. So smart. There's so many good nuggets you just shared just in your story alone. (laughs) So, so smart. So tell us again what you taught. I taught physics, AP physics, uh, really all level. So regular honors and AP. And then I also earlier in my career taught some math as well. I taught a lot more in private school, so smaller class sizes. So I really taught all the math levels from pre-algebra, algebra algebra one, geometry, all the way up to pre-calculus and calculus. So I've done a little bit of everything. (laughs) Wow. And it's so interesting to think about it because some people think that they have to have a certain background in order to start a business. And just think about that. You know, you started as in math and physics and you've turned it into a business and I can't wait for you to share more about your business and what you've created. Yeah, it's so funny. People were like, wait, what? Isn't that totally different? You were a physics teacher and a math teacher and now you're doing copywriting, like totally different ends of the spectrum (laughs) from, you know, sciences to arts, little different. But I would argue that there's actually a lot more overlap than what might appear on the surface. I think copywriting specifically is a more database or data-driven type of writing. And coming into it with this scientific method type of mindset and experimenting with things, testing, making hypothesis, testing, and then seeing what works and looking at the data to see, okay, what's converting and what's not has been really, really helpful. And so when I was in college, I actually double majored. I did philosophy and physics, which is a unique combination. But it's kind of coming full circle now because philosophy was like, I really enjoyed researching. I really enjoyed reading and writing about things that were deeper and really mattered in life. And then the physics got to my sciencey side of my brain. And then copywriting is kind of both of those things combined, bringing a scientific method along with that reading, writing, and, and research component as well. So I never expected to be here at all. I'm usually pretty risk averse. So it was kind of crazy making this change. But again, it was just being so intentional about the process, felt super at peace with it and so glad that I went down this road. Awesome. I love it. So cool. So tell us what it is that you do with copywriting. Yes. So I use, I do copywriting for primarily for coaches and digital course creators. And that just means I write any of their sales and marketing material. So I specialize in writing sales pages and writing email sequences. So if you have a list of subscribers to be able to keep them engaged and feel like your content is relevant so that when you're ready to sell, they're ready to buy. Love it. I love it. So what can you share with us about copywriting today? Cool. So I have four um, essentials that I would love to share that you would use in all of your copy. So that is from a website to emails to social media posts applicable to all of those. So number one thing you need is a juicy hook. So that could look like a headline, an email subject line, or just the first sentence of your Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn post, wherever you're posting there. 
So it doesn't matter how great the rest of your writing is if the headline doesn't bring them in. So I say that's like the 80% of your success and then the 20% is everything else. Because if they don't get past your headline and read all the other wonderful things you've written, it doesn't matter. So it's really important to spend a good chunk of time writing that strong headline that's going to hook them in, capture their interest, and make them want to keep reading more. So number one is that juicy hook. And number two is creating an emotional connection. So empathy is the greatest tool of copywriting. You can create an emotional connection in a few ways. One method I really love is telling a story. People really connect to story. That could be your own story. It could be a customer story. It could be a historical example. But any kind of story is really powerful and really easy to remember. So it'll make what you're talking about memorable. Another method is to future cast, or that just means to get them to imagine what their life could be like once they go through your course or your program, and they can start to imagine this transformed version of themselves and what that feels like. So basically, as long as the readers can identify themselves in your copy, then that is going to really make them feel like you are speaking directly to them and that's going to keep them reading and keep them wanting more. So after you develop that emotional connection, you want to give them some proof because everyone comes in a little bit skeptical, especially in the internet space. It's like, who is this person? So we want to remove the doubt and overcome objections. So this is not being hypey. Hype actually just kills the sale. Um, You really want to just gently overcome their skepticism. And you can do that in a few ways. It can look like a customer story or testimonial. You can use facts or scientific studies, graphs, anecdotes. So going back to those other types of stories or demonstrating the power of your product in action. Or maybe that's a case study if it's a service-based business. But basically, what I always do is make a list of all the reasons why someone would not buy and then address those in your copy. So maybe each objection would be a different social post, or if it's a sales page, all of them should be addressed on that one page. And it's not in a defensive way, but just just coming and saying, here's why that's not really an objection, or here's how maybe this is more important to consider than, than something like that. So once you remove the doubt and overcome those objections and you've connected with them emotionally, you are ready to have a clear call to action. And calling to, a call to action is really just about leadership. Basically saying, if this is what you want, here's how you get it. Because people need to be directed. So all you're asking the reader to do is to take the next step. So that might look like telling them to asking them to like or comment on your social post. Or maybe if it's an email newsletter, you can ask them to follow you on social media so that they see you there. Or maybe if you're on social media, you can get them to sign up for your email newsletter. It could be to book a call or once they've interacted with you for a while, then you can ask them to buy your program or buy your course. So helpful. So helpful. Where do you recommend people finding objections? Like how do people know what their audience's objections are? Mm, Good question. 
A lot of that comes from your market research. So that could be going into Facebook groups of your ideal audience and seeing what people are asking there. Or even just as you talk to people and have conversations, see what questions commonly come up. Like what are people always asking you about your product? And then you can take that and then turn it, put that in your copy so that those things are addressed and and overcome. And that'll pave the way to make them ready to, to press buy. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much. So a lot of times I hear my clients say, I'm not a very good writer. I'm not a very good writer. What do I do? I don't know how to write. Or I even hear some of my business friends saying that. Do you have any recommendations for people if they feel that way? Yeah. So ironically, I think being a great copywriter is being a decent enough writer, but really understanding the human psychology behind the buying process is the most important piece. And it's said in copywriting that the best copy is assembled and not written. So you that means you are taking like from your market research, take phrases that your dream clients say. So if it's a specific niche, they typically have a specific kind of language or slang almost to that particular niche, that language that they use. And then you want to take those phrases and that kind of language and use it in your copywriting. So one of my clients is for, for high school students going into college. So there's a different way I talk to them versus another one of my clients is in like chiropractic doctors. So those are obviously two very different languages that I am speaking, even though it's all obviously English. Um, so yeah, that comes from, from a lot of the, the market research and knowing, knowing the audience. Sure. That makes so much sense. And a lot of people, I think, kind of hold back from doing a lot of their own writing, a lot of their own social media posts, their emails because of that, Mm -hmm. because they think I'm not a very good writer, right? So they just kind of hold back from even saying anything at all. But really, like you said, if you're just speaking their language and speaking to the objections, that can really help. So would you say that market research is probably the most important thing you can do? Yeah, it's huge. I would say it's the foundation and the starting point of any good copy because you have to know who you're talking to and then you have to speak the language of the person you're talking to. Otherwise, it's never going to resonate with them. For sure. And we always think we know what to say or we think we know what they're thinking. But then when you start asking people and talking to people, you find that they actually are not really saying what you thought they were saying. They're saying something else. And their objections are different than what we think they are. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's actually best not to try and be super creative with your copywriting. It's best to just go to the source and not have those assumptions that we make and really just, just ask. Yeah. Such great advice. Great advice. So can you recap those points again real quick? Yeah. So the four points were number one, the juicy hook or headline to capture their interest and get their attention. Number two is the emotional connection. So telling a story and creating that empathy and really getting them hooked in. Number three is proof. So remove the doubt and overcome their objections. 
then that paves the way for number four, which is the clear call to action, being a leader and instructing them, telling them what to do next. Love that. So, so helpful. I know that for sure my listeners are going to find this very, very valuable, but can you tell us where else they can find out more about you? Yeah, you can connect with me. My website is megancatchigan.com. So that's Megan, M-E-G-A-N. And then Catchigan is K-A-C-H-I-G-A-N. You know, tough with spelling there. Um, and then I would love to connect with people on Instagram as well, at Megan Catchigan. And I'm active on LinkedIn as well. Again, just my name, Megan Catchigan. You'll find me there. We will link it all up in the show notes so that everybody can find you and just click on it without having to deal with the spelling. (laughs) (laughs) This has been so, so valuable. And I know that so many people are going to appreciate your advice in hearing about those four steps because I think they're super powerful and they really get people a foundation of where to start with their copywriting. And I know a lot of my audience is just starting out with their copywriting. So they're just starting out with that. So I think it's going to be really, really valuable for them. So thank you so much for being here and for allowing us to have you on the podcast. Definitely. Thanks so much. This was so fun. Now, before you go, I've gotten emails from so many of you who have asked how you can get to be a part of the Dream Builder Teacher Society. And the doors are currently closed. But Right now, you can jump on the waitlist, and when you do, I'll be sending you something special along with some other free gifts while you wait. I'm so excited about everything in the Dream Builder Teacher Society, which is my incredible membership community for teachers who are creating online businesses and are ready to replace their income. I get it. You're tired of the hustle lifestyle. You're tired of wondering if there's more out there for you. You're ready to transform your life. I have one mission, to help teachers create profitable online businesses so they can change their life. So head over to dreambuilderteacher.com forward slash waitlist to get on the waitlist today and get ready to make your dream your reality and create your very own online business.